Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Coach informed me that uh, very next day uh, after I got drafted. Uh, when I came down here, he kind of taught me, uh, brought me into the room, asked me how I felt about it, and uh, really, I feel great about it. I feel like it's going to help me maximize my opportunity, maximize my skill set. So I feel like Coach knows what he's doing. He's doing what's best for the team, and I feel like it's going to work out uh, really well. That's Travis Etienne. Uh, obviously, this was a plan right away. <laughs> so the day he got down there, they had already had a plan for him in place. Kind of like that. I mean, you draft a guy with a vision, what he's going to do in rookie minicamp 24 hours later. Shows you a little bit about the, the organizational skills, I think, of Urban Meyer. I'm not telling you every coach wouldn't have done that. I'm not trying to put Urban on a pedestal here. I'm just saying, to me, that says something that oh, yeah. the, the the minute you meet the guy, basically says, hey, here's what we're going to do with you at rookie camp in like three weeks. So to me, he said that he had it for Kadarius Tony all mapped up when Kadarius <laughs> Tony left. He's like, all right, well, guys, let's go in our playbooks. Let's go ahead and scratch out all the Kadarius Tony stuff. Let's insert Travis Etienne's name and let's get it from there. That's something that you hope didn't happen. What's that? Is that he had such a vision mm-hmm. for a guy like Tony that he might have reached for Etienne. Well, yeah. You think, I mean, it could. Um, but at 25 with so many players available, I, I, let's hope the Jags didn't do that. I mean, they no, had, I, they I had so many ways they could go. I think that they had a, a plan for ETN as well, but I'm just saying when a guy comes out and says he really wanted Kadarius Tony, well, I, I believe that he really wanted Kadarius Tony and he wanted to make him work in that offense. I think if you see Travis ETN, you can go, okay, well, we didn't get Kadarius Tony, but he can do a lot of Kadarius Tony type things. You and Stewart did this. A couple weeks ago, you kind of redrafted the the hindsight twenty twenty draft. Yeah. Yes. Was there somebody that really that they missed? That that you've been like, dang man, they really should have got him between twenty six and when you guys were doing that, you were like, well, they they would have been instant upgrade, whereas they might have. Trevon Merrick. So you so you thought Merrick? I had I had Trevon. So in my I forgot how it all shook out, but I took Trevon Merrick and then I took Christian Barmore in the next one. So essentially, we got one of the best safeties, and then you got the best defensive lineman in the draft as well, more than likely. I mean, at the time, who knows? Yeah, yeah. That well, and so the question and then becomes I, then there. I took Chuba Hubbard in the fifth round. Okay. Yeah. yeah and there's a lot more of that as you get down. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to basically say is okay. Let's keep an eye. This will be for your sake. Let's keep an eye on Merrick versus, say, Cisco in their sure. careers. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And and where's the gap versus, mm-hmm. I don't know, like ETN and whoever you would have picked maybe in the third round to try to fulfill a role that you had. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know who they had and who would have had in mind or had on their board or had on their list. Mm-hmm. But I think that's to me, that's. Like, we don't get the luxury of grading drafts that way, mm-hmm. where internally, I hope they do. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of keep up. We really misfired here because, you know, X, we miss. We could have got this guy, but they got this guy. Yeah. Now, again, Merrick might be a very good player, but if Cisco's a very good player, too, maybe it's marginal, the difference. And so getting ETN at 25 but becomes then, very For sure, good but then it's the like comparing them, you can compare ETN to Chubu Hubbard or some of the other running back as well. Yeah, that went point. later. Yeah, you know? who, who so later on would you have It goes both gotten, ways, yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, you can make it sound like however you want to sound like. Without a but doubt. But in their deep down, they know. You know, they, yeah. they know which way they could have been headed. Instead, did they reach a little bit? Yeah. Again, I always go, I think the most obvious reach they've had in recent years is Quincy Williams. They almost admitted that mm-hmm. they reached. They said they didn't see another linebacker coming down because they well, didn't have a fourth-round C- pick C.J. Henderson here. was kind of a reach, too, or not. 
Well, I don't think they admitted that. We believe they reached it, okay. C.J. Henderson. They didn't say that. Okay. But I think they they like basically said at the time they reached a little bit for Quincy Williams mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't have a fourth-round pick that year, and oh, there wasn't yeah, yeah, much yeah. after it. Yeah. And they really felt like they needed some depth. And then, of course, all the Telvin stuff happened around that time, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think – I don't even know if they knew all that was about to happen, mm-hmm. but they knew they needed some depth there. Uh, Quincy Williams, another big year for him, right? To kind of see what, for what sure. he will do. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So, uh, it's, it's always interesting how it shakes out. But your point on Tony versus ETN, and, and we'll see what Tony, you know, Tony could be a situational thing where maybe he ends up having a better career if he ended up in Jacksonville rather than the New York Giants. Yeah. Or maybe he does really well with New York. Who knows? No, for sure. It's it just it, to me, it shows that there's a reason why Urban Meyer wanted him so bad. It was, it was the gadget kind of guy, the things you could do with him. And then when you take a guy like Travis Etienne, and once again, regardless of the variables, because you didn't have an offensive line there in rookie minicamp, but the fact that you said he's going to be playing wide receiver for you during the rookie minicamp at least, yeah, that goes to show you that you're trying to make him into what you want Tony to be. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the show, I started the show. Uh, not talking football, but talking about the pandemic and, and what I did and also bad drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to guess what I did today? That I usually would do three to, you know, every three weeks. Okay. Uh, this is not get a haircut, by the way. Uh, every three to four weeks. And I probably did it three times in the entire pandemic, including today. I picked up something. Man, all I can... Th- like something for your yard, but I have no idea. Nope. Kuz, you got something? He's probably not even paying attention. No, I'm thinking. I got nothing. Think about what I do on the other side. Dry cleaning. Yes, very oh, good. See, Kuz, dry wasn't cleaning. even paying attention. Yeah. Look at this guy come over the top. I was like, so, pick up. Yeah, nicely pick done. Up. So I go to the dry cleaners today because I, I oh, actually yeah, had a bunch sure. of stuff like <laughs> dry because I hadn't been for a while, well, not a year, but I mean, I'm still wearing, especially more in the last four or five months, but for a long time, didn't wear suits. Like, and nobody was like, I would go to the, when I did go to the dry cleaners, like you could see that they're super nice folks, the the place I go to. And they, uh, they were like, my business is really hurting, like really, really hurting because nobody's going to work. The one by me closed down. Oh, it did. Yeah. You know, and that's not surprising. I mean, nobody's going to work, so obviously nobody's dry cleaning anything. Well, I'm not wearing suits. I'm at home in my underwear (laughs) and and a polo shirt doing the shows. Yeah. Right? Visual. Yeah. 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 It depends. Yeah. Uh, Are you at least inside, not outside by the fireplace? (laughs) (laughs) Depends. It's a little warm outside for Um, that. So, anyway, I, we're back at – I mean, we've been back a little bit. So, again, I, I've been, but not a lot. And, sure. and usually would go a lot. And, like, today I had, like, this big – well, the reason why it hit me even more is there's a really lovely lady that, that works there, a very nice yeah. uh, older lady. And she apparently, I think – well, she's gone. Like, she doesn't work there anymore. Oh, okay. He said yeah. she quit. Oh. And I actually thought she was family members uh, with – the owner that I talk to all the time yeah. and um, and she's not, but apparently she got COVID and she never came back after that. She's doing fine, but okay. she just never came back to work. And so I was like, wow, it's so weird. Like I won't, like I used to talk to her all the time. She'd talk about the Jag. She's a really funny cool. lady. And I don't know if I'll even see her again, like talk to her again. Isn't that kind of weird? Like that's a weird thing. It's a bummer. Yeah. I was thinking about it. Cause I, I always enjoyed going and, and talking to her. Yeah. 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 So is there something Man. Like, again, I think it's just a hard thing to say in Florida because, again, we kind of were living our lives. Now, 
Yeah, and people, whether you're wearing masks, in some places now you don't have to wear masks, and, and that's changing. Uh, schools are going yeah. to change a little bit. But so you're asking, is there something that I've done, but I didn't, wait, something that I didn't do in COVID now that I'm doing again that. Yeah. Like anything remind you, like, man, I hadn't done that in a while. Oh, yeah. Because Check this out. Yeah, yeah, I got a good one. So today... Like, not get a tattoo, because, like, that's you do that, like, every three weeks. No, man, yeah, I mean, that's standard. No, but check this out, right? So today I was at the YMCA, and the YMCA, you know, they sent us an email saying, um, you don't have to wear the masks if you're vaccinated. You know, they're, they're kind of transitioning back to normalcy, I guess. Yeah. Like, we're not getting our temperatures taken anymore, all that stuff, right? So, like, as soon as I walked in, I'm like, all right, this feels normal again. Like, this feel, I mean, you know, not to say it wasn't normal before, but it's different once again. Cool. So, I'm walking out, and there's an old lady getting ready to walk in. And I'm like, well, damn, let me go and hold this door open for this lady because we're back. And I did. And she said, thank you, young man. And I go, you're welcome, ma'am. And I went about my way. A couple weeks ago, probably even a couple months ago, definitely a couple months ago, if there was an old lady walking towards me, I'm slamming the door, all right? Because... <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get in your face, man. Because once again, COVID nine. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to give her anything, and I don't get her sick. So even if there's like a, a low lady, like two feet away from me, nope, I'm, I'm out. I'm not holding the door for you. Now I'm starting to hold doors again. So if there's any old lady, and this can be anybody, by the way. It can be a kid. You don't have to be old. But I, spe- but, but I specialize in old lady door holding. <laughs> yes. If there's an any, if there's any old lady, and I'm saying if, if you're coming down like 500, 600 yards, and I see you like from across the parking lot, and you're at a different business, you're coming over to the YMCA, I'm going to hold the door open. Could take you 10 seconds, could take you 10 minutes. But I'm going to hold that door open for you now because we're going back to a sense of normalcy, and as always taught, to hold the door open for people. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. There you go. Oh, man. I specialize in old door lady holding. Old, old, old lady, lady door, door holding. Whoa, yeah, whoa, dude, whoa. I, dude, I'm one of the best, honestly. I, I'm <laughs> not even lying. That yeah, I know. Old lady door holding. No, I'm not even lying. Max <laughs> asking, like, hey, how's how's your day doing? Like, oh, it's hot out here today, huh? And then, come on, sister, you got, you know, I always give them the, the encouragement. Take your time. There's, there's, a, there's a sense of it, Brent. Read there's a sense it, of yeah. professionalism that I add to the old lady door holding. Uh, <laughs> that's very, very good of you. All right, I got another one. Coos, oh, by the way, anything Coos? Anything jump out? Honestly, you still drinking heavy on weekends? <laughs> that doesn't change. Still, still drinking that heavy. That was literally, yeah. Still drinking heavy, still playing video games. Uh, not, that hasn't changed. Not cleaning the house did, like I, I'm supposed to. I might have said this like last week, but I said it to my, my mom, I think it was. Yeah. I said, I have the, Mom, has anything changed up north since the CDC came out yeah, with yeah, like yeah. their new guidelines yep. and stuff? Because I had this vision mm-hmm. that there was just like this. You guys would have a good movie reference here. Like, I was waiting for you to do this, actually. Okay. Like, you were to, to make one of your movie things on sure. Twitter. Oh, about the... <laughs> and just show... Like, I had this vision that up north especially... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That everybody at the same time just came out of their house. Yeah. Like, like just everybody. And like, yeah. But that's my vision of what happened, like, once the CDC's, like, latest no, thing. See, I thought about making something, but then I remembered, like, hey, man... If anytime yeah. you talk about yeah, like anything true. with that on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be, I mean, it'll get a lot of attention, which is always good, but there's going to be a I, lot I of blowback. Like there's like this light shining moment, doors opening, yeah. and like the village is filled we're, again. We're back, man. <laughs> you know, we're like, back, yeah. And I don't know, like, are we there? Is that like, was that the moment last week that kind of leads to that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I was actually surprised. I went to a lot of places this weekend, still uh, masked. Yeah, like uh, yeah, which is fun. Like I have no problem with the mess. I was just yeah. I thought like everybody'd be like, all right, rip that sign down. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I mean people are obviously used to it, but I just think it's a sense of 
and some people feel this way, even if you are vaccinated, I feel like they still want to wear the mask to make the other people feel more comfortable. Yeah, now, yeah. W- whatever you believe, whether that's right or wrong, doesn't really matter. I'm just saying I think that's what they, they're thinking. Uh, and more power to them. All right. I think of these random things a lot. You know, we travel. Let's travel go. ball has you driving a lot. All Let's right? go. Ty says nothing in the car. Let's go. So I've left the thick t- you know, just think by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And talk to myself. Yeah. So I got another one for you. Okay. Are we are we forever now fist pumping? Or are we 50-50 split on shaking hands and fist pumping? Some people are very adamant, by the way, about the shaking hands. Like some people are really ticked off that you couldn't shake hands during the pandemic. Sure, sure, Didn't sure. Didn't bother me as much. But are, so are we – like I, by nature now, am a fist pumper. Yeah, yeah. Like – I'm less reaching out my hand to shake somebody's hand. It's a good call. I'm just telling you, like, that's like, I don't care either way. I'll, I'll shake your hand if you want. But I'm just now so trained. Yeah. And I wonder if we stay that way. Where are we headed? It, it, it depends who we're dealing with here. Um, strangers, yeah, you're getting fist pumped all day. Um, I think, from my perspective, if I know you, if you're making my sub at Publix, then I'll then I'll come in for the you know like the bro hug. I'll, I'll, oh. And I wouldn't call it a handshake. It's more of just you know the the handshake to bro hug. I got no problem doing that to anybody as well. So I think for you know the initiated Brent, let's go ahead and do the fist pump. For the initiated, let's go ahead and do the bro hug. I'm, I'm not much. I mean, I'll shake your hand. That's fine. I'm just not much of a handshaker. All right. Uh, I just like, wonder. By the way, I like I do think there are people who are going to be very adamant about it either way. But I I believe now we're kind of in fifty fifty mode. Like there's going to be a lot of awkward moments. No, for sure. Like, oh, wait. No, oh. like, see, I feel like the handshaking, it's, it's, it's going to look like a different a game of rocks, paper, scissors. <laughs> it's definitely, it's a general. Like, Kuz, you shake a lot of people's hands? Or what do you do? Uh, like, I feel like a shaking hands is like a generational thing. Old people, I shake their hands. See? Young people, yeah. we don't do wait, any of that. Wait a minute, before the pandemic, you pump? No, we had kind of bro. I don't know what. I mean, if it's friends, yeah, it's like a bro hug, but. But I don't. If I don't know you and you're my age, it's more of like a nod. Like, yeah, we're not, we're not we're not shaking your hand, even if there wasn't a pandemic. Shaking hands is personal. It means something. I don't know. I don't read that much into it. You should. Maybe Rick Riles does. Let's bring him in for the Sportsman Fishing Report early today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are, are you are we fist bumping for life or shaking hands, Rick Riles? No, fist bumping's gone with me. If 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 I care about you, you know it. I'm a bro hugger. All right. Oh, so bro hug. See, he knows what's up. Yeah. The, the bro hugs yeah. works out. I mean, yeah. Akush has yeah. tried to categorize old people in the bro hug category or not, but I see, I don't think so. No, you know, it's it's funny. My dad, my dad raised us that men shake hands. Yes. They don't, they don't hug. But all that went out the window when I when I uh, reached maturity. I'm I'm a handshaker if we're doing business. Yeah. The only there thing for if. Yeah. If I'm glad to see you, you're going to know it. <laughs> I, I guess me and Kuz do, do a lot of business, do we, Kuz? Uh, they don't invite None, me on those. Actually. <laughs> I wasn't taught a lot, like, either one way or another. But I did, like, I've I've told my son, Ty, I was like, all right, you got to shake your hand now, okay? Not not just some wimpy shake. You got to shake. You got to get in oh. there now. Well, that and look at the eye. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good Let thing. Let me tell you what. I will I will judge a man's character by his handshake. I try to tell nothing him that. worse to me. There's nothing worse to me than a wimpy handshake. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you got to you got to be taught that stuff though. Sure. Like, you can't just learn, or you got to learn the hard way. That's, yeah. Sometimes you get that's, it. That's right. Hey, you were uh, right. And if Rick, I was thinking of you uh, this weekend because I was at a softball field and the wind was blowing like crazy, and you had said, "Stay out of the water, boats." 
this weekend. Yeah. Oof, must have been choppy, and I know the, the currents were, were really bad, and uh, that red flag was up at the beaches around here, too. Yeah, I I think all of the television stations should hire fishermen to do the weather reports because it's it's kind of like our lives depend on it. So so we study it from the time that we first become captains or first start fishing offshore. And uh, let me tell you something. There's a lot of times when I listen to the weather forecasters on TV and I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> you can just tell. And uh, a particular weather uh, forecaster that, that shall not uh, be named here predicted the other day, said, now this will be a one-day Northeaster. And I'm looking at it thinking, yeah, that ain't going to happen, Cap. And that started about five days ago. So uh, that's that's just how it goes. I tell you, we got weather a lot more like March than we do like May. And this really cheats us because, oh, my goodness, the fish don't care. And all of our fish that we catch in May are marching north. Uh, to where they summer up in Carolina, some of them all the way up as far as New York, and they're just not getting harassed in the least because we're all just sitting at the dock with our tongues hanging out wishing we could get offshore to fish. That's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen for the next few days. I can tell you the wind is going to stay up. Now, inshore, things are good, and they're actually even getting better. The flounder are getting more numerous, and the size is increasing a little bit. Seeing a lot of 16- to 18-inch fish instead of barely legal fish, that's a good sign. And redfish are rolling merrily along. This is the time of year that they should be good. And trout, which we have struggled with big trout, we usually see them on the full moon in April. They are acting more like they're going to show on the full moon in May as we're starting to see a few five- to seven-pound fish caught. So inshore fishing's good, offshore fishing's closed, and it's going to be closed all week long. I don't see any of us getting back in the ocean till Monday. Monday wow. may be big boats only, but next week right now is looking 100% better. We'll be back to give you another forecast tomorrow, brought to you as always by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing. All right, Rick, you can have those weather guys' job. Just don't take the sports guys' job. No, 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 no. Wouldn't, wouldn't dare to compete with him. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> All right, have a good one. Rick Riles, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Uh, a little early today, usually each and every day at 5.15 on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Catch the show every Saturday morning as well, 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. on ESPN 690. Chris, Ben, hanging around on the line. Appreciate you wait, Ben. Thanks for your patience. Hope you had a good weekend. What's up? Yes, sir. Mr. Brent, Mr. 690. A-Train Lane, Mr. Risket for the Biscuit. What's going on, guys? <laughs> what up, man? How we doing? <laughs> Good, man. I was, it felt so good to see uh, Trevor Lawrence in that helmet with that red jersey, didn't it? Heck, yeah. You better good believe sight. it. Hey, guys, I agree with everything you said about the handshakes. Sometimes I'll even throw in the uh, the elbow bump. You just kind of throw the elbow out there, and you guys bump the elbows. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever did that. Oh, no, for sure. But I have to be careful because, you know, I do a little Muay Thai now. I got some sharp <laughs> elbows, man. I ain't trying to cause yeah, any uh, contusions or anything. For sure. Yeah. So my football question for you guys is, and if it's crazy, I have no problem with you guys just knocking it right down. But, you know, Colin Johnson is 6'6", you know, and I was looking at Darren Waller's stats, and, or, uh, and he's 6'6", and he needs to gain about 25, 30 pounds to, to weigh what I looked at. I don't know. What do you guys think? The tight end room is a little bit empty. Would that be a thought? And I guess my second question, uh, do you guys feel like Schobert's speed is a little bit of live a liability in the, on defense? I think a lot of teams would definitely try to pick on that. So if we could get a, a stud middle linebacker soon, I, I would appreciate it. Chris, appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And a good couple of questions because the Colin Johnson one is interesting. And I'll tell you this, Chris, it's been explored. It was yeah. explored yeah. by the Jags. In fact, I think it was day two of the draft, Urban Meyer actually answered a question about this and said, we just don't think – 
his body can develop into that to mm-hmm. play that role. I, I'm paraphrasing, but they explored that. They just don't think it's going to work, and they're going to keep him at wide receiver. So interesting thought on it, and you know, not from a Tebow fun point we do see players transition i mean kelvin benjamin's trying to do it right now he is right yeah Uh, it just begs the question from colin johnson when you put that much weight on can how's that going to transition how's that going to correlate because like every can you put the weight on right that's a good point does his frame have it to put it on listen every nfl team out there they have these specialists and basically what they do they give you a, a full body mass index test and it's the most optimum weight that you should be carrying when you're on the field for me personally i didn't get until i got to chicago it was 250 pounds like that was my optimum, optimum. where it's like you can definitely max out in your, your athleticism your mobility um reducing injury all that stuff was 250 pounds. I'm not sure what Colin Johnson's weight would be, but one would think if he's played pretty much his entire life under 220 coming out of college, now you ask him to gain you know, 15, 20 pounds, that could be asking a lot of him. By the way, were the Jags behind in finding that weight for you? Were the Kansas City Chiefs wrong in finding that no, weight so, at so, 270? No, that they, they asked so, you to get so to? truth be told, Chicago was one of the first teams that actually implemented it. They and, were. and now I feel like every team implements it. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine by yeah, now. Yeah, because right? they got, there was like a bunch of Olympic guys that they brought in from different teams. Okay. Um, and that's what they specialized in. All right, Chris, we got your Joe Schobert question, too. Yeah. Let's get the answer to that on the other side. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. And Tony Khan clapped back. There you go, Kuz. There's a, there's a clap back for you. Clapped. So, it's a, just it's a, a gamer thing. Eric Clapton. Okay. Yeah. That, that'd be a good oh, gamer name. Oh, I'm using oh, that tonight. Gamer name. Check your boy, Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Brett Martineau. Yeah. You guys just had a moment. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, it's different. Uh, it's definitely a lot different than what I'm used to. I mean, we signaled in, in college, so... Uh, NFL is completely different, but you know I think I'm making good progress. You know, I'm getting more I'm getting more used to hearing the calls and repeating them, and you know breaking them up to where everyone's understanding it, and really being able to direct guys because um, some of the guys are just trying to learn everything still. So I think that's helping a lot. Me being able to you know take take charge and, and lead a little bit there, um, and it's just getting more and more comfortable with that, which which I am. But that just takes a bunch of reps. You know, to get good at something, you got to practice it a lot. So I'm just gonna keep working it. Trevor Lawrence from the weekend as he tries to uh, accumulate knowledge of this new offense and the NFL offense and tries to acclimate himself to the NFL, to his teammates, and to the coaching staff. I said this on Friday. I think just as big as the players being out there is the coaching staff being out there for the first time. I think that was a big deal uh, for them. I don't know how you judge that. I don't know. We don't know. But, I mean, I would imagine for them that was a big moment. Uh, for those guys being out there and, and even more so as as more of the team comes in and you're out on the field and first impression and what they see and, uh, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. But I do think this time period is big for a lot of folks in, in that building and, and it's not just uh, the players. You know, I think this is a taboo that we're going to talk to Joe Schober in just a moment because Chris uh, asked that question. Mm-hmm. But it's like a taboo thing to say and, and ask about. But I would love to know and maybe there there's more out there than, than I've even uh, would seen, would have seen. But I think you have to be really smart to play the quarterback position. Now, smart comes in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. You can be smart at your math class and really figure it out. You can be smart at reading defenses, <laughs> yeah. and you can process things mm-hmm. well, uh, right? So you don't necessarily have to be 4.25 GPA guy mm-hmm. to play the quarterback position well. You don't have to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, is my point. 
Yeah. Right. So where is the smarts versus processing versus remembering versus I mean, listen, all you got to do is have David Garrard or any other quarterback give you the play call, mm-hmm. you know, at, at a line of scrimmage or a huddle that goes in. It's like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> you thought math was tough. <laughs> that yeah. stuff. Like it, it just it's so especially if you haven't done it right. Sure. Of course, you get more used to it and people understand it. But I do think the how smart your quarterback, and again, I kind of use smart in quotations, not talking SAT scores or GPA, but I think how quickly they process uh, the smarts that guy has, how quick they can understand and learn, how quick they can adjust, how quick they can, or, or do they have this uh, element of them that they don't make the same mistake twice? Mm-hmm. You know, all those things that, that probably are a little bit even hard to measure are really important at that QB position. And I wonder where the separation, there's got to be a separation. Like, can you have guys that just aren't good at that play in that quarterback position, or are they just average at that? Can they be elite at the quarterback position? With a, I don't know, but I would think not. I think there's got to be an element of smarts in there, however you want to identify it. No, I mean, you, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a lot on your plate as a quarterback. I mean, just reading the calls off and memorizing the calls is is one thing in itself. And then all of a sudden you have to you have to you know you have to recognize the defensive and what kind of schemes are and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's definitely a lot on your plate, um, and it takes a certain type of intellect, without a doubt. So I agree with you for sure. Yeah, and I just don't know how to measure it. Uh, point being is everything you hear from about Trevor Lawrence is smart guy. Yeah. You know, and, and good at that kind of stuff. And that's mm-hmm. what's allowed him to be a good quarterback in part with the physical traits, but also allowed him to boom, jump right into it. Mm-hmm. And see, that's the difference. Like, I think that was probably undervalued and underappreciated on a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like somewhere in there, that processing, the, the stuff on well, the board, right, well, where, where they rave about. And then that's why Andy Reid got Patrick Mahomes because yeah. they're meeting when he went on the board. He said at the Super Bowl is that he, after meeting with Deshaun Watson and seeing him on the board, um, he liked Deshaun Watson a lot. But after being with Patrick Mahomes and seeing him on the board, he loved Patrick Mahomes. He knew that was the guy. There you go. Yeah, and uh, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. But how did that get overlooked by some? Is what I always ask. Got to ask the right questions. <laughs> I you guess know? So. I mean, every yeah, team asks different questions. Yeah. You know, or sure. maybe he was on his game during that one and not on his game in another one. You know, yeah. maybe somebody else loved him just as much and and they weren't as blown away, as mm-hmm. impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you something else real quick on that front. Let's just say Sean Payton's been a guy that said, you know, we loved Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to use him as an example, although I don't know if this is true. So just, you know, put it in the context. Uh, but Sean Payton's around Drew Brees, right? Yeah. Brilliant at the quarterback position, you know, upstairs especially. Mm-hmm. You know, he allows his upstairs stuff in his head to actually make up for some of maybe the, the lack of physical traits yeah. at times. So his measuring stick is that. Andy Reid, I don't know who's measured. Now, Alex Smith seems like a very bright guy, too. But, you know, where was Andy Reid's measuring stick on this guy's great on the board? Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if a guy like Sean Payton has a hard time with, well, Drew Brees is this good on the board. If you can't be close to Drew Brees, then you're probably not going to be great at the NFL. Great. You might be good, but you're not going to be great. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting how people judge and what's the standard, um, you know, for, for that quarterback position when it comes to, all the different facets. All right. Uh, Chris asked us about Joe Schobert. Mm-hmm. Asked if his speed was a weakness, mm-hmm. essentially, a negative. Mm-hmm. I've actually always heard the athletic ability of Joe Schobert is on the plus side. 
Yeah, I would say so. But to be fair, if we're talking about a traditional 3-4 defense, speed for Joel Schobert doesn't matter. Like, that's that's the last thing that you need um, out of an inside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. If we look at, like, you know, the Rex Ryan 3-4, which Bob Sutton took to Kansas City, which I played, and which Bob Sutton is now in Jacksonville as a senior defensive analyst, I'm sure there's going to be shades of that type of defense. If you look at that and you look at what Joe Schobert brings to the table, the biggest thing, and this is what I kind of, you know, hyped him up when he first got signed by Jacksonville, is the instincts. And that is probably the most important thing that you need out of a 3-4 line. Well, first of all, it's the smarts, obviously, getting guys lined up, making the proper calls. I mean, that should go without saying. But then when we go past that, it's all about the instincts. Because, yeah, it helps to be big when you're coming downhill. It helps to have speed. But you got to remember, the way this defense is going to be designed, you're going to have a a 300-plus pound nose tackle. You're going to have Miles Jack taking on these these blockers. And you're going to be the free man. So there's going to be a lot of glory in that, right? So you got to make sure that you're in the right spot to make those tackles. I think Joe Schobert can be in that. Now, if you want to talk about speed, well, yeah, I mean, you got to have speed to play between the A and the B gap, but, like, how much speed do you really need? Now, if we're talking about the pass game and coverage, well, if you're the middle linebacker, you're going to be in there too because someone's got to make the calls, right? I think with what Joe Cullen sees right now out of Schobert, really the time that Schobert was kind of the liability was what? When he was in man coverage, when we saw him taking running backs, when we saw him taking tight ends, what happened? His back was turned. He was getting burnt. I don't see that happening him to a, a lot in this 3-4 defense. It's going to be a lot more zone, I feel like, for Joe Schobert, where he just drops back. If a guy crosses his face, you take him. But don't worry about taking this fast, tight end, man-to-man. Don't worry about taking the back out of the backfield, man-to-man. You should have zones or some other guy that can help you out in that case. So... I'm not essentially the most worried about it. If you are concerned, though, about Joe Sherbert, the biggest thing is his size because he is an undersized inside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. Yeah. Traditionally, these guys are a little bigger. Why? Because think of, like, Ray Lewis. Right? Like, Ray Lewis was, a, was a, obviously one of the best linebackers to ever do it. But, like, did we ever really praise Ray Lewis for his coverage abilities on a running back? No, or game I was mean, a little different. But. The, the game was different, but he was always in the right spot at the right time. But we never praised Ray Lewis for his athleticism and covering a, a running back out of a wheel route. I'm sure he did that a couple times, but, like, we never praised that. What do we praise Ray Lewis on? Being tough, being in the right spot, coming downhill, laying that wood. That's what Joel Schobert's going to have to do. Now, I think he can do that because, once again, it's all about instincts. But if you want to raise up a question, which you're more than welcome to do, you got to question, is he big enough to be able to do that? And look at it, as you're saying these things, I'm trying to look up guys and <laughs> see some of their measurables, although it's not, you know, always apples to apples. Um, you know, people like who have played the position very well, right? Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, those kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and keep in mind, Luke Keekley was an undersized line. I mean, he, he he's a fantastic linebacker when he played. But one would say in a 3-4 defense, he was a little undersized, right? You know, he only lasted one year in that 3-4 defense, I believe, before he retired. But he still had a pretty damn good season. Not his best season, but a pretty damn good season. Yeah, and by the way, uh, they're all about from uh, at least from the what I'm looking up height and weight 6'1 240 mm-hmm. like the Wagners and Keekleys similar to Joe Schobert in that sense it they do look built differently than that though I mean and again these well, are numbers that are being thrown out there uh, how about this so speed I, I I'll go back to what I said at the top when Chris asked the question mm-hmm. and, and you gave a very good answer it this might not matter in the grand scheme of things in the three four but just thinking again one of the the pluses of Joe Schobert is his athletic ability. That's what we've been told. That's what we. That's what's made him, 
you know, a successful linebacker or helped him be a successful linebacker. It's one of the nice traits that he has. Well, doesn't always mean straight line fast guy just because you have good athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner ran like a four four six forty sure. that I looked up. Yeah. Keekley was a four five eight guy, and Schobert, at least according to what I looked up, was a four seven six guy. Mm-hmm. So not as fast as I thought he might be. Mm-hmm. You know, relative to those, I'm again I'm going uh, to the the standards in the game really over the last decade. Yeah, uh, Wagner and Keekley. So, but uh, keep in mind though, Wagner does a lot of like, he's a middle linebacker, but, but it's stuff. not it's, it's it. not a three four. You know, it's it's different yeah. than what they ask well, him and, to do. And you bring up a good point. I mean, yeah. these guys, I'm just going for middle linebacker, not necessarily three four middle linebackers. Sure, too. sure. Because you, they are different sizes. Well, and you brought and that's the thing. I mean, you're the the question is, he was brought in here as a four three middle linebacker, right? Correct. Yes. So what other transitions does he have to make as a 3-4, even if speed and, and the question that Chris had might not matter as much? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just if you can add some weight on it, fantastic. So yeah, it's, strictly, it's, a, it's more size than speed, in your opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely more size than speed. Once again, now you, you can make it work with your instincts, and you can beat a lot of things with those instincts, and obviously you get off the ball and everything like that. But it's not going to hurt if you add another 15 to 20 pounds, if you could. I'm just saying. They brought in an interesting undrafted free agent, Dylan Moses, mm-hmm. from Alabama. Yes. For instance, real quick. So Derek Johnson, I always give this guy as an example. Yeah. I play football with Derek Johnson, inside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. Very underrated because sometimes it's a thankless job, but of a prototypical inside linebacker, one of the best at the time in a 3-4 defense. He was 6'3", about 245, 250. Okay, so yeah, he was so, so taller and heavier. Correct. Bigger, let's bigger. just say. Yes. And play, looked bigger, too. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, dude. I mean, because that is the thing. Joe, Joe Schobert doesn't look. Correct. Like he's going to knock you in the next week. Correct. Right. Yes. Fair enough. I yes. mean, whatever the height and weight says. Mm-hmm. And again, it's who knows. We're not on the scale with Joe. But, <laughs> For sure. Sir. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think there there seems like a little bit of a difference. You know, it, the guy to watch is Dylan Moses. Mm-hmm. Former Alabama player, obviously. Jags get him as an undrafted free agent. This guy was before injuries. People raved about. And so keep an eye on on him. Yeah. Uh, it, and not, I'm not saying, hey, he's going to go take Joe Schobert's job or he's going to, you know, be playing linebacker. I, I just think he's one to watch it. You know, we're talking Trevor, we're going to talk Travis Etienne, we're going to talk all these draft picks, but that is somebody to keep an eye on and, and watch evolve a little bit over these next few weeks, but especially in camp and, and see if he, he can um, make a name for himself and be part of something down the road for the Jags. Well, keep uh, keep in mind too. Right now, the team uh, has Dylan Moses listed at six three two forty. You can easily put. I mean, coming into your first year, you can put on you know ten pounds, fifteen pounds easily. So now we're talking about six three two fifty. Prototypical inside linebacker. Yeah. Size again. I mean, this guy. Some people thought. Go back a couple years, you're talking first-round guy. Of course. Yeah, it's just the knee injury, man. That's knee injury's big. Back. Knee yeah. injury's big, but can you find it? Does it doesn't mean like, hey, he's still got a first-round talent. Maybe a knee injury was tougher to come back from, and he's just not the same guy. Yeah. You know, didn't get drafted. Nobody took a chance on him. Yeah. So uh, I was looking up Dylan Moses the other day, too, by the way, from Alexandria, Louisiana. Yeah. Site of Brent Martineau's first gig in the business. <laughs> I like it. Now, I'm going to test you here. Okay, hit me with it. We've had another Jags player on before, and I've mentioned that. From also from Alexandria, Louisiana. Current Jags player. Ooh, let me think about that one a little bit. 
I'll give you the I'm answer also, on the other side. And can can we get a proper update here on Dylan Moses Moses' height? Because I got six one, one two twenty five. You got that too? I got six one and three fourths. Yeah, two two twenty. And then I got on the Jaguars website, he's six three. 240. Yeah. Well, if you, so what do we, I mean, what? If you go on the Creekside website, Ty's 5'10", 185. Well, so, who, who's lying, hey. though? Are the Jags lying? <laughs> it happens. Someone take a splint, some I vitamins mean, all on, of a sudden? What are we talking about here? Who are you in the program, Austin Lane? For, hey, I don't care. At the combine, 6'5". I'm a legit 6'6". Six, six. You, you think Jack the Wheel is giving me the benefit of the doubt? No. You think Joe <laughs> Collin was? No. You're 6'5 now. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I've always tried to work what's the objective and then work backwards and it was set and you know I make sure they're aware of the culture that expectation then our whole sports performance model training and what we expect of them and then our practice habits so um, and then the final piece is to uh, introduce offense defense uh, to them our new offense new defense new kicking game and you know it was hard like yesterday if I don't believe you guys are here yesterday, but the tempo was much greater, and we had some guys, you know, had to pull up a little bit. So we, we went much slower today, much uh, better teach tempo. I don't, I don't think it's going to be any different than the first uh, years at the other places. We've always taken the approach. Uh, we're going to try to win. Every decision, everything associated with the organization is going to try to win, and that includes training, practice, draft, uh, free agency, etc. A lot of teaching going on for Urban Meyer and his staff to really a young football team still, but they got a little older in free agency. So how much will that transition help? That's one thing we'll talk about as we get a little closer. They were a young football team last year. I hate that narrative. I really do because we did it for like three years back in 13, 14, 15. It's like, okay, and the NFL is young. And, I, and I'll remind folks this, young, well, the Dolphins and the Rams had two of the top three youngest teams in the league last year. Yeah. And they did okay. Yeah. It's a young man's game. So young is relative, but young can't be a crutch. <clears throat> and well, the Jags did feel young at times last year in the locker room, and I understand that part of it. Like, I, I think there's that's a reasonable, not excuse, but a reasonable point. I think they got a lot older in the free agency period this year, and that should help them. And plus, they now have a quarterback that plays beyond his years anyway. Like, he's not a young quarterback per se. I mean, the guy has played a ton of football. Mm -hmm. Blaine Gabbert, when he came in, he was young. He was like 20, 20 and a half, 21 maybe, not even, I don't think, or or just about maybe was turning 21, but had hardly played football. So it's a big difference. You know, every Monday we come in, and I feel like sometime in the commercial breaks we end up talking about the UFC fights. Yeah. And it's something like every weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just showed me the video of – like Jacare go, Souza. just well, yeah. I was yeah. gonna try to say his name. Oh, but sorry. You, you, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Yeah, that's why you're here. Yeah. Go go outside right now, folks. While you're listening oh. to the show, <laughs> grab a uh, a a stick from the backyard and just snap it in half. Yeah. And that's what we got <laughs> and, the UFC fights the other night. And go and put in arm. stereo. Go and put in stereo as well. <laughs> put in stereo. Put in stereo. I mean, I always say this. Steph says, "Why does he do that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, I mean, Why does he do this? Yeah, yeah. That was loud number one. Yeah. Good microphones at USC two sixty two. Microphones, yeah. 
First time that guy had been submitted yeah. in like 20 I, I, years yeah, or whatever. I mean, yeah, he's the best, probably one of the best jiu-jitsu guys ever in the UFC. And he broke his arm. Where did you say he broke his arm? So, like, he didn't, when you think of, like, an arm break, especially in grappling or an MMA, you break your arm kind of like by your forearm, it would be, yeah. right? Because that, that's where most arm, arm bars take place. That's that's the point of it. This guy broke his arm, like, by his bicep, his tricep area. So, like, that, whatever that bone would be. I mean, it's her it's arm bone, but it's yeah. higher up. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that. Broken, that was, snapped it. My arm, I thought it was just all muscle. <laughs> right? You would think. You would think. But like the the, the, the scary thing, in those, it happened in like a split second. Like literally, it was a transition. He gets put in it, and a second later, boom. It really, it sounds like a, oh, a yeah. stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, arm bone. Overall, fight's pretty good. Fights are fantastic. Yes, I was very entertained. What's the next big one? A couple Ooh, weeks, few weeks. Yeah. Um, I, well, I know it's UFC little... 263. Good, good. I see you, Brent. <laughs> I see you, Brent. Um, UFC is really smart. They can keep track how many fights they've had. <laughs> well, but keep on that. There's always like the smaller ones too. So like the fight nights, big. Fight. Uh, but yeah, the, the next one's gonna be Style Bender, uh, Style Bender taking on Vittori too. It's a second. It's a rematch. Okay. So that'll be the next big one. That's gonna be taking place June 12th. Oh, hopefully, no broken arms, broken legs here. Yeah. He Part said he was game. in tears. By the way, the broken leg. What's his name? He broke his leg. Chris Weidman. Yeah. I hope so, bro. Yeah, that would hurt. Football at 5, coming up next (laughs) on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.